Welcome to another episode of One Mike Night, the podcast that brings you stories of artists and people on their journeys, helping to guide, answer questions, and motivate you in the business. You already know who I am. I'm Marco Suiz, and I want to thank you guys for all joining me on this journey and introducing you to some of the most brilliant artists in this world. Today is no exception, but before that, before we get into it, make sure you follow us on all the social medias. Go right now. This podcast is available on all major platforms. You can find it on iHeartRadio, Spotify, Apple, Amazon, wherever your heart desires. But follow us because you never know when I'm going to drop another episode. <laughs> My guest today is a killer man. He is a comedian. He's an actor. And most important, he is a content creator and a social activist. Please welcome Max Thomas. To one mic night, Max. What's going what's on? Up, what's man? up? How you doing? I'm feeling great. I'm feeling wonderful. I'm so happy to have you here. Thank you. Thank yes. you. Thank you so much for your thank time. Thank you. I appreciate it. Listen, I have questions. Mm -hmm. First of all, who is Max Thomas? Uh, I am. Who is Max Thomas? I feel like, like, remember the movie Cool Running? Yeah. Where, yeah. Where they, they like, like, who are you? Like, when you look at the mirror, it's like, I'm a badass <laughs> motherfucker. <That's right. laughs> and I'm nothing to fuck with. And that's how I feel. I feel, I feel great. I feel, uh, yeah, I feel, um, that I'm just authentically me. And I feel, I, I think of like how like Jimi Hendrix said about like letting your freak flag for, fly. Yeah. That's that sums up just who I am. Is that I want to just be, uh, and, and especially as a, a black man in America, I want to be as free as possible and as full as possible and abundant as mm. possible. Mm. So yeah, that's 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 that that's that's what I, how I look at myself. It's just abundantly true. I like that. I like. It. We're gonna touch on that in a minute. But how did you how did you get started? Where are you from? Where you where do you live? What's your mm -hmm. what's your background? Start uh, South Side of Chicago. Live on the South Side of Chicago. Mm -hmm um yeah grew up here grew up between here and the west side of chicago and that's the thing that's so funny about chicago is that there's people who are from the west side of chicago be like man i don't, I don't mess with those people on south side of chicago. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's vice versa with south side of chicago right. and they always each area has like my grandma lives over there so it's just segregation within the city of course but uh uh yeah i'm from from chicago um, you know, most or or one of the most segregated cities in, in America, and uh, uh, I think that's uh, <laughs> that that makes sense in terms of where my comedy comes from. Hmm. Okay, so you, you know? feel like that that played a huge role in who you are? Absolutely, mm -hmm. absolutely. I mean, because we hear about Chicago, and I've spent some time in Chicago too. I went to school, mm -hmm. there, so I know Chicago. That's right. But for the people listening, when 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 you say segregated, you really mean segregated. Like, yes. Segregated. Truly segregated. Yeah. Absolutely. Invisible lines. Uh, yeah. All of them, all through throughout the city. 
uh, I mean, like the 19 race, 1919 race riot uh, was here in Chicago. And it was, you know, and it's also wild to think about how in history, how when you learn about that history of those summers of race riots in, in America, that then they will quantify Chicago as being the, the worst. Uh, and I, I, and you still feel it. You still feel, you know, the machine politics in the city where the, the people that have grown up in these racist areas in the city constantly are the ones through nepotism that get the chief of fire department, chief of police, mayors and stuff, just like we would see in a comic book or Gotham City makes sense that it's Chicago. Right. I hear you know? that. Yeah. So having having those divisions, you know, growing up, how did that did yes. that make your perspective a little different? Or what you know Absolutely. You said that's where the comedy came from, but how did that yes. how did that happen? I think that's because it's finding it's kind of like what Dick Gregory said about like trying to like laugh to stop from crying, like figuring out ways that you can uh find some 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 light um and i know for myself like when i was six years old like uh i remember po- first time i ever got called a nigger was because police accused me of stealing from a store we're gonna take a short break and when we get back we'll find out what event traumatized max we were six years old <laughs> Uh, when I was six years old, wow. and they referred to the way that they referred to me and referred to re- referred to me to each other was uh, we got to stop this. I'll never get it. They said we got to stop this little nigger from stealing, and like that was a wow. time when then I was like, you know, went through this whole thing like where I, you know, my dad was there. I told him, and then my dad being from West Side of Chicago, growing up in the sixties and growing up being abused by police, he was like, I gotta, I gotta stop this right now. So. Uh, I'll never forget that, like, he put me in the car, we followed them for a couple of blocks, and we got to the red light, he hops out the car, and then gets, and then, like, they had their windows down, and, like, puts his head in the car, of their car, and then, like, it's just telling them, like, he, he's not your nigga. He's like, in, 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 if I see you ever again, I'm going to come for you and your family. And he, it was like, he just wanted to yeah. shut that down yeah. immediately. But then I remember, I'll never forget his face on the ride home. He seemed just so upset that um, that it's it, 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 it seemed like the police had taken my innocence. That was my next from, question. From how, did, how did you feel? And then how did you feel mm-hmm. when your father did that? I felt I felt like it was a, a amazing, but I was also scared for him. But I could tell that he wasn't afraid, but that he just jumped into this this you know innate nature to I have to protect and I have almost the same way as like when we think about a. Uh, uh, like Malcolm X's father, where he describes his father always having to go up against Klansmen and it wasn't a thing where he's like, I got to think about this before I pick up the gun. I saw my dad do that, be ready to pick up the gun. And I think that for me, it reminded me that, okay, I got to figure out ways of, I got to figure out ways to, to, to make my folks laugh, to, to make people in my neighborhood, my communities laugh. Because I'd always experienced, you know, um, I mean, like a, that same year, when I was six years old, my house burned down. So, uh, from that, when we're living in between places and stuff, I'm writing jokes. And th- that was just a way, it was just like a natural response. And I remember me always looking up to people like Richard Pryor, the Dick Gregory, the Moms Mabel. These are people that grew up in just rough ass situations where they were like, okay, I'm gonna find some 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 light. And I'm, I'm gonna be able to, to, to shine that 
throughout my people and to everybody. It's kind of a hurtful truth. You know what I mean? Like you're hurting, but you make light of it so you can get through that moment. Exactly. Right. Exactly. I love that. So yes, let me, so back up because I want to share your experience with a lot of people because even people, you know, other people of color like myself, I didn't have Mm -hmm. this experience. I I lived in Chicago. I lived on the North side of Chicago. So my experience, you know, dealing with people probably was a little bit different than yours. My, mm-hmm. my life experience is a little bit different. I, I grew up and went to a boarding school. You know what I mean? So I had okay. a whole different experience. So yes. I do know from living in Chicago, and I've said this on a couple of other episodes, I would live on the north side and the building that I lived in were condos. And okay. every time that I would walk up to my building, the police would pull up beside me. Yes. Or roll down the window and ask me where I'm going. And I'm like, what the fuck you mean? Where am I going? I'm going to my apartment. That's right. Or if I was, you know, going into my building, hate to say it, but Becky would close the door right behind the door closed. That's right. I would key the door open and walk. Oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Yes. Right? Yes. So we've all had that experience. Absolutely. We've all had that experience. You're talking about comedy. Um, What's, you do stand up too, right? Yes. Do you have a preference stand up? You do improv? I do all of it. I have a spoken word improv team. They preach. I do sketch. I, I, uh, yeah, I, I host a weekly stand-up show called Give Me the Light at the Hideout in Chicago. Mm-hmm. Why, why yeah. be a comic? Why be, why, why do stand-up? Because I think the thing with comics, like, uh, I think, I think the thing that, that always drives me or always uh, excites me about stand-up is that it's a, it's a mode where you're, not a mode, but how can I say this? It's a, genre or art form where you're a truth seeker you're a truth seeker no one everybody else in the room could be lying Mm. you're on stage saying exactly what the hell other people are just thinking in their brains or just comes across them or their actual feelings i love that the inside thoughts are outside so the thing with me in stand-up is that it feels radical it feels like a radical act you know what i mean and then i'm also me being a black man and me being able to bring like last night we sold out at our show had 95 tickets sold and that's on a patio outside everybody's got to be vaccinated 95 people and this is all different ethnicities of people that i know all throughout the city that came out to this event but i think that it's amazing when you can bring all those people together and we can laugh uh at things that unify us right and i think it's comedy just in my opinion i feel like comedy has the power to not just be oh this is just silly you know uh just goofy just for goofy sake i feel like it should be somewhere you're funny but you're also driving home something a point where somebody can change your mind they can go home and they're having a conversation with that racist uncle whatever i always tell comics all the time we have that power right yeah yeah you know what i mean if you're just going on stage just telling shit jokes i mean you know i know that there's this you know it's it, it, there's space for everybody i get but it's just you know right, we have yeah. the we have the we have the freedom to have really freedom move to people that. out into the streets. Right. <laughs> you know? What do you think about like right now what's happening? Everybody has to be politically correct. Everybody gets canceled. Mm-hmm. Everybody comics are the people who were always able to cross those lines. That's where the fun comes in. That's where yes. the joke comes in. It's a truth. There's a truth to it, but that's where the fun comes in. Have you did you like in the last couple of years with the Me Too and all these things that are happening, have you had to change what you do? Like the content no. of what you do? No. No holds no, barred. I think I believe just like it's no, I believe just like what Cat Williams said, man. If you're funny, you're funny. And and if you're really, if you're really on your job, you are uh 
you want to bring everybody together with right. your comedy. You want to bring everybody to the to the same table to laugh together. So if your only brand of comedy is punching down, that's a, that's something that we always talk about in comedy. Or like you just see like a SNL sketch. They'll say we need you to put punch ups in this, right? You 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 want to punch up to the McCain's or to the to a Cheney or to a, what, a Biden what's or a whatever. Punch up? A punch up is someone that we know. Punch or? up is mean like somebody that's in power. Okay, all right. So if you so if there's like somebody that's like uh, punching down is. Uh, if they said we're just gonna make a sketch about homeless people and then they just which you never see you never see them say oh yeah we're just gonna play homeless people and we're just gonna be shitting on ourselves or being belligerent or whatever that this is just gonna be a spoof about homeless people no they're gonna say no we're gonna spoof these rich people that are the one percent you know what i mean because those are the powers of be that deserve to be dismantled Okay. And that's the thing that's amazing about comedy is that when you're dismantling those powers, that's where the funny comes in. Gotcha. Gotcha. You know? Yeah. Okay. Because we can all, because think about it, we can all laugh at, you know, the, the buffoonery of the king, but then all of us that are on the ground, we're like, we're all being, you know, fucked over by that king. So let's, let's dethrone that person through comedy. Right. This is great because yeah. I've always said in everything that I do, comics are probably the best artists because they're intelligent, mm. they're quick, mm -hmm. um, they make you laugh, they bring an experience, yeah. they have truth, they have freedom, like all these things. So to do stand up and improv is one of the one of the arts that, that probably is my favorite. Where are some of the places yeah. you played? I know you've been to Second City for sure. I've, I've been to Second yes. City, I've worked at Second City. Mm -hmm. you, you did a couple of projects there, right? Yes, I started there when I was like 14. I actually started there, yeah, 14. And then when I was 16, I did a, a used to do have classes like Chris Red, Lil Rail. Um, and the reason why I say that is because there's these very, there's these very like small, like one, one point in a year, there would be this all people of color class. You know what I mean? Taught for like right, maybe like special, four to eight weeks. Right. Special class. That's right. You know, within you finally see all of these different other folks and stuff. And um, uh, I really don't care for Second City because I think that Second City still uh, heavily, as many of these things do, aligns so much with whiteness to the point where they really have always had trouble with. There's so many black people that are right now being nominated for Emmys for major shows that if you talk to them about sec their experience with Second City, they have nothing but, you know, traumatic stories from being called nigga while they're on stage or. Uh, almost getting into fights with people or getting into physical fights with people after the show because somebody on stage said something about Trump, um, which is wild. I remember one time I was working at Second City as a, a host and one of my jobs was you had to remove people who could be belligerent in the crowd. So this dude was being belligerent and was upset about the fact that uh, somebody on stage was talking about Trump. So he stands up, he rips, literally physically rips his Second City shirt he had just bought, rips it off walks out of the theater, throws it through the box office booth. And then I go up to the table that he was just at. I tell people, you know, around, hey, I'm sorry. We're gonna make sure that he never gets, you know, he doesn't come back, he's banned, blah, blah, blah. Keep enjoying the show. I go out, out there. And then, um, I, you know, like I just come in there, told the guy like, hey, you can't, you can't be in the theater and stuff anymore and everything. And then I, <laughs> I go back to the theater, I check on it, come back out, my manager, black dude, he's standing there with this white dude. And then once I come back, now it's me, the manager's black, this white guy. White guy looks at us and says, hey, listen, I don't, I don't mean to disrespect to you two, but some black guy just kicked me out the theater. 
and it was like he didn't even see wow like wow like it was really? like where i wanted racism to see me yeah. you know what i mean like i was like what is this like how the fuck am i that wow. invisible to you that's interesting yes. that's really interesting just wild but that's the shit that you would go through at second city you know like uh people feeling like they put their hands on you large all middle america white audiences and stuff but yeah, I've done yeah Second City, Zanies, Laugh Factory, done comics, performed at the Comedy Store a bunch in L.A. Um, but yeah, yeah. You have any favorite spot? Oh yes, I love I love cracking on Thursdays at, at Comedy Store. I love like the hideout right now where I do my show is really dope. Um, trying to think, a lot of it's so it's interesting. I noticed that the places I like the most are the place the spaces that I create, the the shows that I curate all the spaces I love the most because a lot of times they're um, with a small business, they're with a small venue or they're with a black owned business, but we can still bring a lot of people out as much as you could for a main theater or venue space. A lot of these clubs and stuff is just so, you know, it's apparent as standups, we all talk about it. It's like, we're tired of being on the bill where it's one black person on the bill and it's, you know, 13 Jeff Foxworth. Right. Yeah. yeah, <laughs> you know yeah. I mean, you feel like that's your, that's your calling. That's your purpose. What stand up? Yeah. Well, bringing people oh. together like that. Oh, yeah. bringing people together. Absolutely. Absolutely. Definitely. I definitely believe that that's my calling. Even with the uh, community work that I do through mutual aid work every week. Um, yeah, I love it. I love being able to feed people. I love being able to create resources, create sustainable, um, yeah, sustainable resources for folks and something where the community is able to um build together instead of it being something we gotta depend on institutions tell us tell us a little bit about the, the community work that you do yes uh i'm an organizer with byp 100 black youth project 100 we are a uh youth group of uh comprised all black people 18 35 years old and our focus is on liberating all black people black people on the margins um black people liberate black people through a queer feminist lens basically uh, and it's, it's, it's amazing, you know, um, and I, I believe that and, and it's, it is definitely necessary, fully needed be, because of the fact that, I mean, like when you talk to a lot of like, the, you know, you talk to some of the people that are like, let's say, uh, I, I respect Jesse Jackson, but like people in Jesse Jackson's age group, we like, ah, oh, well, you know, we got to talk about the black man's liberation. Why are we just, why are we also talking about black trans liberation? Stuff? And it's black, it's black liberation. There All you of go. Us. You said it, We're you not just free. said it. You know what I mean? It's as a whole, what, what are we about? as a whole, yeah. <laughs> why, whole. why make the divisions within the, you know, yes. the culture? It's everybody. It's everybody. Exactly. And you're talking about, you know, uh, financial gain, generational wealth. Yes. You're talking about land ownership. You're talking about, you know, uh, uh, education, education in, in the, in the stock market and, you know, mm -hmm. increasing the yes. wealth of the culture and the not giving knowledge and sharing. You know, and uplifting the people of the yeah. culture so we can help each other. You know? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I like that. I like that. Do you ever do benefits, comedy benefits, or things like that to raise money? Yes. Or is that is that part of Yes. Yes, I definitely was doing that during um lockdown last mm -hmm. year. Me and my me and my spoken word improv team preach, we got together with our sister team, uh bosses and bonnets, all all folks of color, and we um, just put out a bunch of sketches on Instagram and we're able to raise $10,000 and then be able to disperse that between different orgs, different specific like community uh, youth led organizations, not just like throwing it to the NAACP or, you know, um, 
throwing it to uh, Red Cross or some something like that, but really giving it to the people that we know this is directly affecting somebody's household, you know, in my community. I like that. I love that. Yes, yeah. that's what it's all about. Giving back to those people, to the people who need the help. That's right. Yeah. Yes. And it really doesn't take that much. It doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't. <laughs> How do you get the inspiration for the content that you create? Because I've, I've gone through the social media and I see it. It's good, yeah. man. It's good. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Where does, where does all this inspiration um, How do I get from? the inspiration? Yeah, just in general. Um, I'm trying to think. Just really, I just love the absurdity of life. You know what I mean? Just like a reason I put out a, a sketch where I just, and I even talk about it in my stand-up, uh, about the fact I have so many allergies. Like I have like three pages worth of like food that I'm truly allergic to. And I found that that is hilarious that like my doctor, my doctor told me, that I should write all of my, uh, I should put on my driver's license, all of my allergies, list them in case of emergency situation. And I told him, fuck that. I, I ain't trying to have the cops pull me over and know they can kill me with sour cream. Like, <laughs> that's some bullshit, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I don't want to like, you know, Johnson, we got him, pour some yo play over his body. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't need that smoke. You know what I mean? They try to weaponize him, right. you know? Um, so, you know, like, I love stuff like that. I love finding the absurdity in it. Or the fact that I have so many allergies, that I feel like Harriet Tubman would have regretted freeing. You know what I mean? She'd be like, this is the, this motherfucker's asking for too many options on the way to freedom. You know what That's I mean? Funny. He can't eat nothing. He can't, he can't be around wheatgrass. You know what I mean? I should have shot him. You know, like, you guys, every, everybody is listening know, like, and watching this podcast. Make, make sure you check out that video in particular. Cause I remember, I saw that. Yes, That's funny. Please. That's good. That's good. <laughs> Thank you. I like that one. Thank you. Yeah. So you and but I, I love that. I love finding where's that edge. Where the edge is. Listen, you and I met, we met yes. in New York in a show. Yes, tell, we did. Tell me a little bit about the show, because I didn't have a chance to see it. I was backstage, but I heard mm -hmm. it. And, yes. And I'm sorry, I can't remember the name of uh, the person that was Oh, the Broke show. Down Drone. Broke Down Drone. Oh, okay. uh, Rock. Uh, Willie, uh, yes. Willie Young, yes. How did that come about, and, and what was that all about? Well, he and uh, another friend of ours, uh, Gary Mills, they wrote this play called Mud Life. And um, that's basically kind of like a, um, what I do, how would Rock describe, like a state of mind and what his, what his basically community work is based on. It's called Motivate the Urban to be Determined. And he grew up in the area where like uh, Dr. King lived during the time he was uh, living in Chicago mm -hmm. in 1966, uh, growing up in North Lawndale, which is an extremely dangerous area of Chicago. Um, and he used to be a uh, crime intervention a crime intervention specialist where he, like, he's going in, excuse me, and mediating, um, you know, between like gang wars or like somebody just got shot and coming to support the family. Um, so Rock experienced, he has experienced so much in his, in his upbringing to the point where like he said, hey, okay, I, I love music. I'm a rapper. I'm a producer. Um, me and my cousin, his biological cousin, um, they would always make beats and stuff together. And um, they would even shoot music videos together in the past few years. So he wrote this story, wrote this play about how he and his cousin being in the studio and trying to get this drone to work again so they can get their money up basically, so they can film their music videos. And that can continue to funnel more money into the music that they're making so they can, you know, uh, basically literally fly out of the neighborhood. I love that. I love it. Yeah. Do you see, do you see yeah. um, black creators now coming forward with a lot of, you know, content? Like, are we, where are we in terms of, of creators? I mean, because you consider yourself I think that we're the top. Creator, obviously, we're at the top. Yes. 
I definitely think we're at the top. I mean, we see it even like with TikTok, the fact that a lot of these, you know, um, white white kids are like getting on Jimmy Fallon and stuff, doing black dances, doing dances that were created by black teenagers in their living room, and then they're not getting the credit for it. But but as we already know through hip hop, through American culture, we are the culture. Right. Yeah. You know, True. we and I think just the same thing with the content creators. We're we're we are um, we're the vanguard for it. It's just the you know just honestly we're just not the ones that are getting um the credit all the time and we're not the ones that are uh getting the big push and big uh funding right. and sponsorship behind us how do we how do we get beyond that how do we do that you know because obviously there's a I market think for just, it. there's obviously a there market is. for it you know we have the dollars we're putting the dollars yes in. um absolutely how, how do we do it i believe people like kev on stage like how he has his own um productions where he production company where he has a uh, I have the app it's basically it's just like Netflix but it's just streaming black content creators uh so I think things like that that's what we have to do you know no one will help us but us so I believe those are the things we have to continue to do continue to to work with each other and just in my opinion I think work with each other and and don't fall into even though um TikTok or so any social media algorithm is not picking up your black face and saying, hey, I got to share that, put that on the front page compared to, you know, uh, a white girl that's living in an affluent area and has a beautiful backyard behind it and dancing and stuff. Still, I think let's build together. Let's not try to conform into what we feel the app needs. Mm, yeah. But let's just build yeah. together and let's continue to create our truth. Because sometimes I do see certain content creators where I say to myself, well, though, you're funny without having to you know put a gun in the video you're funny without having to do certain extra like cooning or things like that you know um and i think you can get you can fall into that because you're you're saying damn well what will actually get the likes and that's something i do think is dangerous i i, I worry about where we're going to be you know 50 years down the line in terms of how our brains function to we need followers we need likes we need that instant yeah, validation absolutely. yeah absolutely i mean i think social media is good on the one hand but, you know, in, in order to get your content out there and things like that. But on the other yeah. hand, you know, trying to get the likes and doing it for the likes and all this kind of thing, it really takes a toll on you. It does. I, have to, I have to back it up does. and say, too, like another thing we need to do is we, we need more people in behind the scenes, you know, so you don't necessarily have yes, to be do. an actor, but we yes. need, you know, like executive producers. We need people calling the shots. Like That's you right. said, we need people who Cast own companies who are making and telling black stories, who are telling stories of people of color. You know, those are the people we need yes. too. We can all be actors and that's great, but own your shit. Put your shit out there. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Yes. Like help other people put yes. their stuff out there too. If you want to produce a company, help help the brother. Help the brother make some stuff. Yes. <laughs> you know yes. what I mean? Like we definitely totally. help each other totally. do it. Absolutely. Yes, I agree. So during the George Floyd period, a couple of years ago, mm -hmm. um, how was that period for you? Um, I'll say that in a general way. How was that for you? Yeah, I, I think it's uh, you know I think it's still going. Um, and I and uh, when he was killed during Labor what was that during late not Labor Day weekend that was during Memorial Day weekend of uh, twenty twenty. Um, I was already doing a lot of community organizing, but 
I remember that that specific time went to a place where everybody's like out in the streets nonstop. It went to a place where it's sad. It's just, uh, it's so hard, so difficult because of the fact that you, you become exhausted. So many people, so many organizers, you can become burnt out. Um, because at the end of the day, you know, just like with the, with push for defund the police or for um, reallocating funds, it's it's something where so many of these cities they can say, oh, we're going to take you know a million dollars, ten million dollars with them. They're never going to do that. I mean, like in our city, Lori Lightfoot just put out a new budget plan where she's saying, I'm giving hundreds of more millions of dollars to police, and that's like what for them to keep killing us? Right. Yeah. What are they? I, I don't know any officers in my neighborhood by name. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. They don't serve and protect. They don't. They, they haven't picked me up when I'm on the bus, when I'm off uh, sitting at the bus stop and said, hey, it's three o'clock in the morning. You want to get a ride home? There's yeah. nothing there. There's I don't see them in a community garden or talking to the kid, anything like that. I don't care how many videos you show me of a cop dug in in a you know, parking lot with 13 year olds. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah. We know the re we know the reality, just yeah. like as you said, of the pulling of pulling up to you and asking you all, all of these questions and uh, always examining you, always scoping you. Um, so for me, it just, it's it still, I mean, just like we saw with these images in terms of Haitian immigrants being whipped and being uh, herded like cattle. Um, for me, it's, it's, it, for me, I've constantly been thinking about how exhausting it is and how it, it's sad because as black people there's never a time we could say, even if we were on vacation, it's hard for you, for black people to just go somewhere and feel like, oh, I can go to an area of this world where black people are not being uh, colonized, not being, you know, oppressed in some just just drastic way. And it's right. Right. it's it's so. I mean, it, again, as I said, it's freaking exhausting. Because right. still to the day, I'm like, I'm an American. I nobody wants me to go. Nobody wants me in their country right yeah, now. Right. Yeah. You know? True words. I, I would mean, love to do a James Baldwin excursion and just go away for some right. years. <laughs> I mean, there are some countries that are, are receptive to, you know, American, black Americans, but uh, you know, for mm-hmm. the majority of the world, no, it's still you're black. You're black. And you see you yes. go to places, you see the black people working in the McDonald's there, you see them working in those type of jobs that nobody else wants. Um, you That's see, right. you see, you hear the, you feel the discrimination when I walk through, you know, Switzerland and I get called a nigger in German, you know what I mean? Like things yeah. like that, it happens. It still happens across the world. That's right. Absolutely. Has that sparked you on a journey to, to do any kind of work? I mean, is that the fuel behind your, your the organizations you work with? Yeah, it is. And it's a, and it's a fuel behind just really trying to create as much as I can spaces where black people can feel black and just brown folks can really feel fully free and could can just love on each other, especially like in this city. There's so much violence in this city. So much violence. I mean, it, it's so much violence. It's almost like, you know, if we were watching like Barry Bonds going for a home run record, right? In a season. Mm-hmm. It's it's like that's the way, as you remember, like that's the way it's charted, where it's like another weekend. And right. These well, are our high number numbers. Yeah, that's it. And I think yeah. and I feel like, you know, because I'm in New York and that's the the our cities are the same. It's the same. You know, as much yeah. as I want to say defund the police and take some money away, you can't do that. You need to retrain people. You know, I do have police yeah, officer yeah. friends and people who are first responders, but you know. Definitely, there needs some, you know, reformation 
uh, if that's a word, yes. you know, done to the police department. Um, you know, uh, but by the same token, we have the highest crime rate that's happening right now. Our subways, you know, crime. Uh, somebody was kicked, a lady was kicked yes. down the steps yesterday at Barclay, two days ago at Barclay Center, backwards. You know what wow. I mean? Slashing happening. Things like that happen every day. We need the protection. So where, where do yeah. we go? We don't know where to go with it. Where do we go? Yeah, we need That's it. That's right. And we're, we do. We're in a, we're we do. In a, and it's very sad that we still don't have um, a Black Panther, um, uh, con, um, how can I say, like a, a system of resistance, mm. a community resistance that is still strong. Right. I'm friends with Fred Hampton Jr. here in the city, but still it's, it's, it's sad because you realize how much like these cities, these, this country threw away these people, exiled them, killed them, put them in prison and just left and their whole family just, you know, it's right. They're left to fend for themselves. They're just within the community. They're dealing with the same exact problem that all of us are dealing with. And it's, uh, with, with that, with that horrifying trauma of knowing that your loved one could just be snatched away by the government, by the, the, power the highest powers in the city and just boom snatched away right away um yeah i i wish that we still you know that's something i'm i'm focused on as well as creating a free breakfast program for kids uh for cps students in chicago um feeding more people in in different ways doing mutual aid work is wonderful mutual aid is like you know literally creating basically just as it sounds like taking the resource that you have within the community and sharing them Yes. And everybody coming together. I got eight bananas. I got, you know, right. 20 avocados almost, over here. Almost like a commune situation. You know what I mean? Where you, the community yeah. comes together and you're sharing, you know, what you have. That's right. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. I think it's, it's well needed, especially right now. During it these is. times, definitely need it. Definitely need it. Yes. That's funny. I was talking to my little brother about that this morning. We were talking about mm. how we want to, you know, organize and, and, and own something that helps people of color in that way the same exact way yes you know what i mean and and it's it's necessary and we, we have to do it we owe it to each it other. is we need we need things we need free stores absolutely we need access to right. medical care get oh excuse me i just even read a statistic recently where it takes home average uh person living on the street 20 years to get off the street wow 20 years 20 years that means you cut your hand i gotta go get bandages gotta go get this Gotta go see a doctor. Right. Sends me right back to, to square one. And that old saying is in effect, we're all one paycheck away from being on yes. the street. You know what I mean? And, and that was pretty evident Absolutely. during this pandemic, you know, where we had to, everybody had to find resources to help themselves. And some people are still yes. in predicament, you know? Some Absolutely. people came out on the high end, but a lot of people are still, you know, trying to pay rent, trying to figure out how they're gonna survive. In addition to the people who are already homeless. Yes. So that's a that's yes. a bad place to be in. That's a bad place to be. It in. is. I mean, shit. During lockdown, dude, I considered selling blood, plasma, and ass all at the same time. At the same time. On Facebook marketplace. Right. Yep. Like, like, <laughs> like those things go through your brain. You like, that's, you that's know, it. right? What natural resources right. do I have? You right. Know? That's that's what it is. That's that's the way it is. You know, it's the way it is, man. I'm telling you. What do you have coming up for us? I mean, I know you do you do your weekly show. Yes. You want to talk a little mm -hmm. bit more about that? And then what else do you have coming up for the future? Yes. Because we uh, give me a light is a really dope show that yes, we do it also in Brooklyn too. 
Okay. So it's in Brooklyn, um, monthly in Brooklyn, and it's weekly here in Chicago at the Hideout. In Brooklyn, it's at different venues um, uh, throughout Brooklyn. A lot of times, most of them are Black-owned businesses. Um, it's a really dope show. Uh, it's sometimes it's free. In Chicago, it's $15 a ticket. Everybody must be vaccinated. Um, and Give Me the Light, the ethos of Give Me the Light is about sharing the light for Black and Brown folks, uh, BIPOC, uh, LGBTQIA. It's, it's literally a show about creating unity, having a brave space. Everybody can still be as honest as possible in terms of their comedy, but know that they're supported, know that they're loved, and know that people are held accountable if there's any disrespect, if any the audience or comics feel disrespected. Uh, and I believe that that's a, that's a uh, uh, I believe that that is very important um, because I think that so many, for so long, we've gotten to this place where we're like, oh, funny is funny. And I don't agree that funny is funny because it's just like how there's people that have been sexually assaulted, you know, and, it's, and I don't, I've never been sexually assaulted, but I, I, can, I can understand or empathize with a person that if they are triggered by if I were to just say something that's callous yeah. in terms of that. For sure. That, that for makes sure. total sense. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that makes total sense. You know, and I believe that, that their voice, uh, uh, that the way that they feel, they, uh, the way that that triggered them, that's important. And that should be honored, you know? Right. So that's, that's the thing with our show is that we're about bringing people together where you can see people that you're going to one day be paying $100 to go see them in an arena or you're going to be streaming their HBO Max special. Um, or their Netflix special, you know, like we that. bring you that amazing quality of comedians. Hannibal Burris just dropped in and did the, did the show last week. I like that. Wow. Yeah. Like, wow. Yes. Okay. I like yeah. that. So tell everybody yeah. how we can get in touch with you and how we can follow you and find out more about the show. Yes. Follow me on Instagram, searching for Max. Uh, and that's the same thing throughout all the platforms. And I, um, uh, what else? Also follow me on TikTok at that's Max Thomas. Uh, I'm always coming up with a lot of funny stuff. And uh, yeah, also, if you're black, you're between 1835, check out BYP100. There's a BYP100 in New York. There's one in Detroit, uh, Cleveland, Louisiana, uh, California, Atlanta. Yeah, Chicago, Florida too. Yes, yeah, sir. So yeah, check out your local chapter. Get involved. And um, what else? Uh, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. And also pay comedians. Pay actors. Pay actors. Pay, pay That's up. right. Yes. <laughs> I got a little something for you. We're going to talk off camera about that too. So okay, we'll, we'll do that. But everybody, make yes. sure you follow Max Thomas at Searching for Max on Instagram. If you have any questions, follow his show. If you're in New York, go to the Brooklyn show. If you're in Chicago, definitely check him out. He's doing big things. He's doing big things for the community. He's doing big things as an actor, content creator. So I want everybody to follow him. You can follow this show at One Mike Night. One Mike Night is spelled O-N-E-M-I-C-N-I-T-E. Go to the .com. Find out more about what we do. It's a platform for artists since 2006. What, the 15th year. Also, check it out. One Mike Night just got a grant from the city of New York. And we'll talk more about that. You can follow me at Marcos Luis. M-A-R-C-O-S-L-U-I-S. Find out what I do. We've got a couple of things happening right now. I'm back on stage. And uh, yes. we can talk about that. Yeah, yeah. Thank you all for joining me for this episode. Make sure you follow us and click the bell because you never know when I'm dropping another episode. Thank you for joining yes. me. Yes. See you next time. We out. <laughs>